welcome, Natalie King. I don't know if this qualifies as an international podcast or if you qualify as an international guest because you are actually South African, but you buggered off from South Africa a good few years ago and now you're in the UK. So I'll need some direction in terms of if this is an international. It's international. I'm British as well. So All right. All right. Well, it says so in the passport, so it must be true. So (laughs) anyway, we digress. Welcome to my little podcast. Maybe you'd like to just kick off the conversation before we get to the the meat of it, just so that the listeners know and the viewers, because we're going to be posting this on your video channel as well. Um, So hopefully we don't have to edit too much out, but just so that the listeners know, this is the first time I'm doing an interview without having done like prep questions that I've sent off to the interviewee. So this could be amazing. We could go sound some amazing rabbit holes or it could be a complete train wreck. So let's see what happens before we get there. Oh, I like to go with amazing. We're going to be fabulous. (laughs) Do you want to maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself and then give a brief overview of what it is that you do and why you do what you do? You mentioned it earlier. I grew up in South Africa. I was born in Africa and grew up in South Africa, and I've been living in the UK now for 21 years, just over 21 years. I came to the UK in the beginning of April 2000. Oh, wow. And, yeah, so I've been here a long time. haven't managed to lose the accent. I still have the South African accent, which quite a lot of people ask if I'm from Australia. Yeah, I get that that as well. I get that as well. I get British or, uh, or Australian. And uh, if I'm in England, it's Australian. So, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Never been to Australia. Want to go. Never been. So at the moment, what I do is I'm a confidence coach. And this is where most people are like, huh? What? What is confidence (laughs) coaching? (laughs) Well, it is basically I do what it says on the tin is I help business owners to find their confidence. Now, without confidence, you can't do anything. You feel stuck. You feel lost. And I help people to really connect and build their confidence Mm. because so many people have a lot of potential. They have a huge purpose that they need to live in their life. But if you don't have the confidence to do it, chances are you're not going to do it. And you don't need a massive amount of confidence to start something. You just need to take that first step. Mm. And as you grow, so does your confidence and that grows. But what I do is I help you to understand what the sort of sabotages that you might put in your way, what little gremlins can pop up in your thoughts or in your mind that might stop you and tools on how you can just progress through that. So that's sort of a... (laughs) Like, that was like the, <laughs> the nutshell version. Obviously, when people think of confidence, they think of stage actors or someone like a president, like Barack Obama, for example, giving a, a speech. And I mean, I wasn't around when, you know, there was Winston Churchill and Martin Luther King Jr. and all of those amazing speech makers. But Barack Obama could give a flippin' good speech. But that kind of confidence that these people portray, is that what you're talking about? Because, and now I'm going to or immediately throw a spanner in the works and start giving you a hard time. There's something called uh, the appearance bias, where people kind of mistake confidence or mistake someone's good looks 
for example, or good physique for confidence. And please correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm an armchair psychologist. I, I do a lot of reading. So I could be talking a big lot of crap here, but how do you define confidence? Because people who appear confident might not actually be what, how do you say, competent. So there's that kind of confidence, competent divide. We want to appear competent, but be confident about it at the same time. So maybe you could kind of delve into how confidence fits into business. Okay, wow. That was like a lot. (laughs) Yes, sorry, sorry. (laughs) Like I said. First of um, all, you've got me intrigued with this image bias, did you call it? Hmm. I've never heard of that, and I'm going to now go and look this up and and find out more about it because that sounds really interesting. Hmm. One thing that did come to mind is comparison bias, which I've looked at, and that is where we compare ourselves to others. Hmm. But having the confidence like Barack Obama, this is learned. He's learned how to give good speeches He's also had good speech writers. I mean, by the time you get to president, you have some good speech writers. It was also about being comfortable in who you are. And Barack Obama has confidence, but he also does have the, what we call imposter has come out at a couple of times for him as well. But with the confidence, he's learned to be confident. He knows what he's talking about. He's comfortable in his topic or his speeches. And this comes through when giving speeches. And you normally find that the people who give these good speeches have grown their confidence. Mm. Now, maybe if you've seen their speeches a few years back when they started out, did not look like they'd say on stage for a while. Mm. And confidence is something that you, you build it like a muscle. If you use it, you grow it. If you stop using it, you lose it. And it is about doing activities that keep pushing you forward that help you. But when it comes to like public speaking and giving these speeches, it is also the practice. The amount of speeches that you need to give in order to be comfortable on stage is quite high. And again, it's learning the skill of public speaking. It's learning how you project yourself. It's learning about the words that you're using, but it's also about being you as well. It's finding your way of speaking. And you can look at different speakers and they all have different types of mannerisms and you can start to see where they repeat them. Hmm. Now I'm talking about motivational speakers and speakers. I'm not talking about politicians because quite often other than Barack Obama, I just <laughs> put my foot into that one, didn't I? <laughs> but it's when you look at a lot of politicians who are not motivational speakers as well. So Barack Obama is a motivational speaker as well. You can see that they're doing things or they've rehearsed how they're going to be speaking hmm. at times when they've got to be pointing their finger at you and what they're doing. It's almost staged. So public speaking is a whole different skill set than actual confidence. Now, you don't need to be confident to have the skill set of public speaking. It does help to be confident, and you can start to really learn how to. So I grew my confidence via the public speaking route, and I learned how to speak in public, which then grew my confidence. But going on to this image bias that you mentioned, from what 
I'm guessing, because I've not heard of this, and I'm really, you know, thank you for giving me something sure. else to find out about. <laughs> I love learning. <laughs> is you also get what is known as introvert or extrovert. And quite often, and this is why I mentioned the image bias, because it might be that an extrovert, they loud, they're the soul of the party, you know, they're there, they always have a crowd of people around them, they forceful in meetings or whatever, and mm. people assume that they are confident. Mm. They're just outgoing. It doesn't mean that they're confident. Whereas an introvert who normally sits on their own, they're normally the ones who are quietly in the corner, people assume that they don't have confidence. Mm. Now, they could be very confident, but they're introverts. Introverts like to be on their own. They don't need to be surrounded by a lot of people because it drains their energy. And this is where I'm wondering if the image bias doesn't come into this because normally when somebody is loud and outgoing and the soul of the party and it's full of jokes, that person in a meeting who has everybody around them who has an opinion, is it the image that they are portraying or is it the actual physical image that you are starting to notice? Yeah. And this is something that I would find quite interesting to start looking into. But confidence is such a complex topic and it, there's no one way or there's no right or wrong way. There's no one size fits all. Everybody comes at it at a different way. And one person can be really confident at public speaking, but not so confident running a meeting. And yet you get some others who are other way around. So confidence is a sort of constantly expanding or detracting emotion or it's not quite an emotion, but it, it can just grow and shrink and grow and shrink depending on what you're doing. But it's about how you are when it's shrinking or when you're feeling unsure or nervous. Again, you can feel nervous. doesn't mean that you don't have confidence. Mm. You're just unsure of the situation that's happening. You're unsure of the crowd that you're talking to, but you have the tools in place that you can keep going. Yeah. Because if you don't have confidence and then you feel nervous, this is when the fear factor sets in and the fight and flight mode mm. might set in. And this is where you think, oh, my God, I can't do this. I can't do this. Oh, get me out of here. And then yeah. you freeze, panic. And it's only might have been because the nerves kicked in, but you didn't have the tools or been working on your confidence to say, you know what, this is just nerves. Cool. I can handle this. I've got it. You know, yeah, the palms are sweating, the heart's racing, but it's, you're in a situation that you've got an idea of how it's going to go, mm. but you don't have a 100% idea of how it goes. And it's just that uncertainty of mm. new crowd almost in a public speaking event. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned imposter syndrome. So let's chat a little bit about that because this is a massive problem for a lot of business owners, whether they have been in business for a long time, whether they're brand new. My business is fairly new. I've only been going for three-ish years and coming out of the corporate space where you get told what to do and, you know, the corporate space kind of tells you that they reward you for taking initiative, but they really don't. I mean, you have to toe the line and all that kind of thing. You stick to your little bubble. You don't kind of cross-pollinate with other departments. When you start your own business, this is the issue that I had, you kind of doubt your own ability. And that definitely 
comes across, obviously, in meetings when you're trying to do sales, when you're trying to do networking. You don't want to kind of oversell and underdeliver. Now, that is not necessarily what you're doing, but imposter syndrome, you kind of doubt yourself all the time. So do you want to kind of delve into, I know this is one of your areas and you said you've got a masterclass on this. Do you want to delve into imposter syndrome and what it is and how people can deal with it? So yeah, you're right. Imposter syndrome is huge. And we are talking about majority. So I looked up the stats the other day. I think it was about uh, 70 to 80% of business owners at some point have had, or actually people in the world, not just business owners, imposter can go for anybody, has had an imposter syndrome at some point in their life. And we are talking about big hitters, you know, Oprah Winfrey, Obama, Michelle Obama, Richard Branson. Mm. They've all had imposter syndrome at some point. It's feeling like a fraud. You feel that you don't belong. You feel like I'm not good enough or I shouldn't be here or I'm not skilled enough. I don't know enough. And it's all these doubts that you start to put into place. And one of the places that I've noticed a lot of business owners get it is at networking events because quite often you might see other business owners. They've maybe been in business longer. They might be in the same industry as you. They might be extroverts and able to hide that they don't have confidence and you walk into this room and all of a sudden you think, oh my God, I don't belong here. I shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. You know, these people are way better than me and I should just turn around and leave. And this is just the self-doubt coming in. It's this phenomenon of the imposter syndrome. It can just hit you at any time. The thing is, is you can deal with it. You can find the way and tools that that enable you to say, hang on a minute, I do belong in this room. I am a serious business owner. But it's really starting to understand what it is that's happening because quite often it is more of an emotion and then it's like, oh, my God, I've just got to leave. I've got to go out of here. I can't do it. And then you get this freezing process and this beating yourself up and this huge self-doubt. And imposter syndrome and confidence work quite well hand in hand in a way is when you start working on your confidence, you actually start to see imposter for what it is, an imposter. That wording is used for a reason. It's an imposter. It's not a real thing. It's not real. You're not a fraud. You don't know your stuff. You do know what you're doing. You building a business and business owners get it even 20 years in the industry. So it's not just something that just happens to new business owners. It affects anybody at any time. And this is what the amazing thing is about the imposter is that it can hit anyone. And, you know, you're looking at Oprah Winfrey and you think, you know, she ran the number one television producer and presenter in the world. And there were times where she felt like a fraud. Katy Perry, you know, she felt like a fraud. Lady Gaga sold out of her concerts Mm. and she didn't think that she was worth it. So, you know, it's not like she was a new singer. She was an international superstar and still had these feelings, these emotions. And mm. why I use these big names is to help you to feel that you're not alone because, mm. yes, it is common for new business owners. I feel like that sometimes. I get it. And sometimes I think, no, I've got it. I'm 
dead imposter. I've kicked it. I've got rid of it. And then the yeah. next day it's like, wham. It's like, hang on a minute. What just happened? <laughs> so it does happen. And it does happen to a lot of new business owners. And unfortunately, these are one of the reasons why businesses fail because the thought process that's going on in a new business's mind gives them an excuse or reason to fail. Yeah. And it might be something else that's triggered the failure, but if you go right back, it's normally or can be the thought process that's gone in your head. <laughs> and the thing is, it is powerful, but you can kick it to the curb. Yeah. That's what I called my uh, masterclass is kicking it to the curb. Mm. And one of the ways of doing that is to remind yourself of your skill sets, remind yourself of your expertise, remind yourself of what you have accomplished. I'll give you an example. Sometimes I've given a speech and I'm like, oh my God, I can't do this. I'm no good at this. There's better speakers than me. And I start comparing myself to Obama and yeah, yeah, yeah. Les Brown and all these good speakers. <laughs> and then I think, oh, I'm no good. And then what I got to do is remind myself, hang on a minute, I've given X amount of speeches. I've qualified or I have acquired the award of Distinguished Toastmaster. I haven't spoken in as many years as Les Brown or Obama. I'm not on that stage, A, because I'm younger than them, and B, because <laughs> I choose not to be. Yeah. But the thing is, where they were at the amount of years that I've been doing it, it is, I'm in the right place. Mm. I can push myself to become a better speaker and to become more of a motivational speaker and go on stages and everything else. But is that a direction I want to go into? Mm. Not at this particular moment in my life. Who knows? So I shouldn't be comparing myself to these guys who have done that. Mm. They've taken a different route. But what I need to remember is that I have spoken in public. I enjoy it. I've learned this. I've been doing it for eight years now. And where I started and where I am now, is I've come a long way. Yeah. And this is what is important, is to acknowledge where you are and what you have done, not go and compare yourself to, you know, these big singers. Mm. I can sing in the shower. There's <laughs> no way in hell I'm going to sound like Lady Gaga on stage. Yes, I yeah. can't just now go and do that because I've not trained the way she has. I've not put in the effort. I've not put in anything. Mm. I can like to say jog around the block, but I can't <laughs> compare myself to Kelly Holmes, who is an Olympian runner because I've run around the block. You run so around the block really and then you see. You run yeah, around the block the bed. and then you kick it back under the bed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So who are you comparing yourself to? Who are you putting up there and judging yourself against them? And this is what is important. If you are comparing yourself to somebody who's been in business for 20 years, but you've been in business for two, that's unrealistic. You can't even compare yourself with somebody who's been in business for three years and you've been in business for three years because you've had different paths, you've had different learnings, you've had a different journey. And think, this is where you really need to see what are you doing to allow that imposter in. 
I think that's kind of the crux of it, isn't it? I mean, comparison is the root of all evil. But unfortunately, it's human nature that we will always compare who's got the biggest house. We determined just before this that you definitely have a bigger house than me. Um, <laughs> but, well, like three inches. But, <laughs> but it's kind of like you need to look at uh, finding role models, for example. And I've got a few. We're not going to delve into who they are and all that kind of thing. But it's really difficult to keep them separate, you know, look at them from a role model versus ending up comparing yourself to them. It's a very fine line. You know, we've used the example now, so let's carry on using it. Barack Obama is an amazing speech giver. He doesn't say, um, I say, um, like 40 times a minute. And yes, that's something that I can work on. But if I had to compare the way I speak in this podcast versus how Barack Obama addresses the US nation or the entire world sometimes, you know, it's chalk and cheese. And it can make you, if you get to that level of comparison, it can make you feel really uh, trashy about yourself. You know, I'm not living up to the standards now. You know, I want to be like Barack Obama, the way he gives speeches. But yeah, I mean, I can't compare myself to him, even though I aspire to be like him in terms of public speaking. So that's a fine line between the comparison and inspiration. And this is the important thing, and you've hit the nail on the head, is you can have these role models and aspire to be like someone else or to have them inspire you to better yourself, to improve yourself, to help you to grow. And it's about taking people who you admire for a particular skill set or something that they have and finding a way that you can bring that into your life. So like you said, you aspire to be a great speaker like Barack Obama, and then you can learn to become a great speaker. You can learn to become a better speaker to the level that you then find your own way. You will never, ever become a speaker like Barack Obama Mm. because you're not Barack Obama but you can become a good speaker, a good motivational speaker, having been inspired by Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. But you would then need to find Megan's way of being a great speaker. And this is where you can have the role models to inspire you to sort of up-level yourself Mm -hmm. and then find your own way, find your own path, your own voice, your own way of doing something. And this is what is so powerful is when you've, dare I say, used somebody to get you up a level, Mm. as in they inspired you or motivate you or even keep the bat, (laughs) then you can then become who you need to be. Yeah. We all need to kick up the butt from time to time, especially as business yeah. owners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you work for yourself on your own, it's yeah. butt it's kicking good. is normally a handy thing. <laughs> it's finding <laughs> the right someone. person, though. It's having the right person. Definitely, because you don't want it to cross over into micromanaging either and like the domineering parent-child relationship, you know. Have you done your <laughs> accounting today? <laughs> Have you filed that filing? No. I'm <laughs> We <laughs> also need somebody who you respect, who yeah. who's doing it, and they're doing it in the right way. They're not just kicking you up the butt for the sake of it and, mm. and putting you down while they're doing it. It's about holding you up and yeah. enabling you to really go that next step yeah. or that next level. Kicking your butt without damaging your confidence. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
We've been going for a while. I've got another question, and then we can end off with a, a quick fire round. So the question is along the lines of, again, we're speaking a lot about like fine lines. You know, that's obviously the theme that has kind of leached itself to my brain for this particular conversation. Now, there's a fine line between being assertive and being aggressive. And, uh, you know, when you're confident, or even if you're projecting confidence, if you're not feeling very confident, but you need to, you could come off as really kind of positively assertive or aggressive. And this is also now part of confidence and that kind of thing. Feel free to disagree with me. This is, again, my weird brain in action. So how do you stop yourself from slipping from being assertive to aggressive? And how do you, as the person doing it, notice when you start slipping into that, you know, from the positive to the negative? So this is something that is, it is about knowing yourself. So one thing I would like to just, because you were talking about aggression or the aggressive, is arrogance is not confidence. So a lot of people do mistake arrogance for confidence. It's not. Arrogance is arrogance. It is what it is. And quite often when somebody is being aggressive in running a meeting or in a way, it is either arrogance, it is their right, to be like that, mm. or they have absolutely no confidence whatsoever. And a way to make them feel better is to belittle others. Mm. And this is normally a sign of lack of self-belief and lack of confidence is belittling those that you can because it makes you feel better, makes you more powerful. Mm -hmm. Being assertive in a positive way, this is normally comes through having worked on yourself and having some form of confidence within you. Now, some people have natural or have really worked on their people skills and they understand that to be assertive in a positive way is more important than being aggressive and belittling. Mm. And this comes down to personality. This comes down to the way you see people. And I know in the corporate world, you get a lot of this aggressive down okay. on you, the yeah. managers, or I'm a manager, therefore you will listen to yeah. me. And it boils down to workplace bullying at the end of the day, when you've got that arrogant, aggressive behavior and it's not necessarily always from the top down. It's kind of from the bottom up and like cross level. Sideways well. like, <laughs> from all levels. Yeah. And this is not confidence. This is not confidence. It's perceived confidence because one of the ways to see it is if you look at bullies, they are normally insecure. They have not confidence. You look at the school ground bullies, they've always got their pals around them. You catch them on their own and they're like, eh. I'm out of here. You know, they're the biggest coward out. Mm. You get it as well in, in the corporate industry, and yet they can get themselves promoted and everything to a level where they can just bully from a height. But this isn't about being confident or assertive in a good way. And when you are being assertive in a positive way, it's normally because you understand yourself, you understand people, you want to have a good environment. You most probably have done some work on yourself where you just have these natural people skills that you've developed over the years in whatever field that you're in. Hmm. So the difference I would think is with aggressive, it's just a power play, but assertive, 
in a positive way is about building relationships. It's about nurturing who you with or, or anything. And if you start to really look at the people who are doing it, what's behind it? What's really happening? And this is when it starts getting interesting when you start to dig to see what's really going on. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Like I said, just before this question, we've been going for quite a while. So I'm going to end off with a little quick fire round of five questions. And again, you didn't have these questions to prep at all. So I'm super keen to hear your answers. (laughs) So um, (laughs) question number one, define success. Uh, Success is personal. Success is personal. One person's success is not necessarily somebody else's success. It is a personal, what you perceive as being successful in your life. It's personal. Cool. Question number two, what do you do when you're not working on your business and does anything you do outside of work feed back into your business? I'm starting to have to take lessons and teachings that I work with my clients. I always tell my clients, find time for you, do your own stuff. <laughs> I tend to work a lot on my business uh, just through, I love what I do. So I work a lot on my business. But if I'm not working on my business, I love going to the seaside or spending some time out in nature. I take my dogs to the seaside or go for walks in the woods and I'm about an hour away from the seaside and England is about fish and chips in the seaside. It's this really weird (laughs) culture that the English have and it's something that I've adapted to. So I love to just go to the seaside and unwind, have a nice fish and chips and Mm. then come home and normally that then reboots me. Mm-hmm. That's what I like to do. Yeah. I find uh, any time taken away from the business, you know, that you are doing something not business related, it does feedback in in some way. But, you know, time away, again, it's a fine line by spending too much time away from the business. Uh, I spend a lot of time on my business. Mm-hmm. I read a lot of books that really interest me, which I then bring into my business. and. Yeah. I don't have kids. I've got three dogs who look after themselves. I have a husband who looks after himself. So I do have the time Mm. to focus on my business. And I really love what I do. So for me, it's not work. It's just a new challenge that I want to work on or sort out Mm. or create or whatever. Awesome. Uh, That little extra bit that you put in there feeds directly into the next question. So if all the books in the world suddenly spontaneously combusted, except for one, what book would it be and why? No oh my pressure. God. <laughs> this would be like my ideal hell. No books. <laughs> one. <laughs> oh my word. This would be like, oh my God, life is over. <laughs> I had a very, I had a very clever guest that said, I will save all the books in the world on my Kindle. So if all the paperbacks spontaneously combusted, everything will be saved in my Kindle. That's a cop-out. Come on. Now I want you to name a book. Come on. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to name the book that I'm reading because I want to finish it. I don't like books half read. And mm. it's a really good book. It's about breath. It's about breathing. Mm. It's by a guy called James Nez something. He's a journalist <laughs> and he's really... I know I should know what the name is. It's a really good book about breathing and about how important it is to breathe. And I 
always mention breathing with calming down and confidence. Mm-hmm. And I thought this would be a good book. So I would keep this book because I want to know how it ends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. The book. I feel like you've wormed your way around this question, but I will give it to you. (laughs) I will put the book in the show notes as well if anyone was interested to know who James something is. Um, (laughs) I read the book and I look who the author is. Awesome. This is kind of along the same lines, this question. So it doesn't have to necessarily be a book, but is there a specific resource that you continually return to that you believe is integral to your own personal development? It's usually books. I find I've got a lot of help from books, but a lot of it is me just Googling stuff. Mm. I couldn't handle not having Google because I get so much information from that. And you can go down, I can spend hours going down one rabbit hole after another, getting information, finding out stuff. And then what I will do is once I've gone down the rabbit hole of Google or, you know, searching and blogs and bits and pieces, I will then find a book that would then maybe cover a lot of what I've done looked at so that I get it almost in one place or two places Mm -hmm. but it's usually either the internet or people I enjoy meeting people or talking to people to get new ideas so you've mentioned the image bias so you know where I'm going this afternoon you know Mr Google here I come to find out and then I might find a book or a blog or something and then I try and work out how can I incorporate it into what I do so it's a combination it's not one way of going but it's usually either a book or it's the internet cool final question what one piece of advice do you wish you had received when you started your business oh wow this is a question i always ask my guests (laughs) (laughs) i should have an answer prep shouldn't i (laughs) one bit of advice that i wish i had known eight years ago when i quit my job and started my journey of running a business is how important it is to have the right people in your corner. So a coach, Mm. a mentor, and having the right people there. I've been in business eight years. It took me seven before I realized I needed help with a coach Mm. because I thought I had to do it on my own. This was my mindset is I had to do it all on my own. So if I could go back and, you know, tell myself, I would say get the help because you don't have to be on your own. And this is something I really wish I had known then. Yeah, I kind of had that mindset as well. You know, when you start your business, now you're a business owner, you have to do everything yourself. And you really do need other people, even if it is just to bounce ideas off of. I teach a little class on creativity and I always say, get your little creative team. You don't tell them you're part of my creative team. You know, just get a group of people together that you trust, that you can bounce ideas off of because often they'll come up with solutions that you don't notice yourself or an outsider's perspective is always needed it's so important especially when you're like you and myself you know we are locked in the house by ourselves with our dogs working you know it's difficult to get yourself an outsider's perspective so yeah but it's also having you know pay for a coach Hmm. pay for a mentor because they might know something that you don't know, but have the right ones. Don't just have a coach because that's what you meant to do. Find the right people to be in your corner. I've had some coaches who've been very unhelpful and I've had some amazing coaches. Swap and change. Have a couple at, at a time. 
but it's having that help because that's what they're there for, especially when you're starting out. Find the right mentors or the right coaches or and build, like you said, your little community of people. Mm. You don't have to do it on your own. Yeah. You, you can't do it on your own. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thanks, Natalie. This has been very enjoyable. I don't think it was the train wreck. I think it was erring on the side of awesome. So maybe I'm going to go this route for further interviews. I can see all my future guests like their hair's going grey. Like, oh, what doozy of a question is she going to throw at me? But <laughs> I love the spontaneous, though. I love it. Give me a set of questions and that freaks me out. It's too planned. <laughs> Where can people get hold of you? You're on social media, although we did have a chat the other day about how you want to get off of social media. So you're still there for the moment. Yeah, on social got a media. I will be on social media for a while. I'm not a fan of social media, but I appreciate how powerful social media is. I have a YouTube channel and you can get me on my website, Natalie King Coaching. Anything is under Natalie King Coaching. And I have a a group, Natalie King's Confidence Club, which you're welcome to come and join me. It's a Facebook group. Okay. And I'm on LinkedIn, Natalie King. So it's very simple. Anything is Natalie King Coaching. It's awesome. It's simple. I like simple. You've got an easy name to spell, so that's fantastic. <laughs> but for, for people who may not be writers or have spell check, I will put all the links in the show notes to this podcast on my website. So, yes. Thanks, Natalie. This was fantastic. I, I really had a good time. Clear, I'm very easy to please. Chatting to people gives me the happies. So, yeah, thank you for taking the time. I will see you in like two hours at another function. But until then... Thanks very much. <laughs> Follow the Business of Podcast on my website, megamillist.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube channel at Megamillist. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Megan Darcy, M-E-G-A-N-D apostrophe A-R-C-Y. Chat soon.